Thanks for joining us on the Kansas Reflector Podcast. I'm Tim Carpenter. Today I'm with Scott Schwab, the Kansas Secretary of State since 2019. Before elected to the state's top elections official, the Republicans served in the Kansas House for 15 years, representing part of Johnson County. Mr. Schwab, welcome. Hey, thank you, Tim. It's good to see you again. And first time with the Reflector as opposed to your previous spot. Yeah, you are. You and uh, Attorney General Derek Schmidt might be in competition and maybe Governor Kelly for in terms of the most frequent guests on our podcast, if you stretch back to our Capital Journal days. So we appreciate you coming back and not being completely alienated uh, (laughs) by my questions. Let's start with the uh, maps. The Kansas Supreme Court affirmed the constitutionality of the new congressional and legislative redistricting maps. Um, So we'll have maps on the table until 2032. You know, this is the third time I've been through this, but the first time on the administrative branch of government as opposed to the legislature working with um, redistricting. And it's funny because when the argument, the big argument was really on the congressional maps. Mm -hmm. And it was interesting listening to the debate because the minority party would keep coming down saying, we're going to get sued on this. And I was hoping one member would say, we're not going to get sued. Scott Schwab is going to get sued. (laughs) You did get named, yeah. (laughs) And it's because... Because I have to get sued, even you know, even on the state maps, the state school board, the rep- House of Representatives, state senate, I still have to be sued because there has to be a judicial oversight of those maps. And so it's one of those things. It's in a lot of we have a lot of turnover in the legislature. They weren't there ten years ago, and they didn't know. Hey, there always is going to be a judicial test. Mm-hmm. It's just we're glad as election officials that it's finally settled because we got to get that election calendar out to. Um, our clerks, and we can't do that until we know what the boundaries are. So what they are filing deadlines, like June 1st, and here's here's part of the, the confusion with it being done so late, is like June 1st is a filing deadline for candidates that are statewide candidates like myself mm-hmm. and Senator Jerry Moran and Derek Schmidt and Laura Kelly. But if it's subject to redistricting, like the legislature, the state school board, and the congressional districts, that's June 10th. Because we weren't sure the maps were going to be ready by June 1st, and so there's a trigger in statute to delay that. So Those are caution. Yeah. Uh, some of these offices, the state legislature, the U.S. House, and the State Board of Education, the deadline for that is the 10th. Correct. As opposed to June 1st, a traditional deadline for filing for office. And the State Board of Ed, those 10 seats... I think half of them are up each time, but uh, those seats are based on the legislative map, and that's why there's a connection there. Correct. And the court can change the lines, and so you want to make sure, because the filing deadline, you may be filed for a district, but if they change the lines and change a district number, you got to refile that paperwork. Now, we're not going to charge the fee again, but you do have to file the paperwork mm-hmm. correctly. Yeah, the, 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 you're right. The controversy was about the congressional map because it split Wyandotte County in half and tossed Lawrence into the first district with Hayes and Dodge City. So I actually live in Lawrence, and uh, so I'm so pleased that I have uh, so much in common with the feedlot operators and the guys that have horses in their backyard. Uh, maybe I'll try to emulate that behavior. I'm not sure my neighbors will like it. but uh, Yeah, well, I'm in the same district regardless. <laughs> I have Lawrence and Hayes in my district as well. <laughs> yeah, right, statewide. You know, I think, you know, there's, there's uh, I generally think these maps tilt to the unfair but it is a political process is it not it was the legislature gets yeah. elected 
the majority vote rules, the governor can veto, the legislature can respond to that with a veto override. So it is a political process, and this is what we have. And this is what the legislature decided on. And, you know, we do not chime in on that. We just need to know what it is so we can set that election calendar so that we can carry out a successful election in the ele this, this election year. So as Secretary of State, you, as a general principal, you wouldn't necessarily weigh in during this process to say, oh, no, I think you've blown it over here in no, the 49th because, yeah. district of the Kansas House. There's no way for us to do that because it doesn't, one, it doesn't affect our office on which legislative district is where. We just, we only bring guidance when it says, hey, this is how it affects the election. Mm -hmm. They draw the lines, and then we actually are the receiving office for the U.S. Census numbers, mm -hmm. and then we send them over to the legislature, and they buy... Um, actually by not quite, like a proclamation requests those from us that's the way it's done it's 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 a very formal process yeah, but we're really pro just giving them data in every state and and basically every 10 years we have a census and we redraw these maps based on the shifts in population absolutely uh, in in kansas so in fact you're running for re-election yep. to another term uh have you filed yet yeah i have okay. filed and have filed in uh, I actually could not certify my own filing. I had a you deputy had certify else my own Yeah. So why are you running? Just well, tell us about it. To finish what we started, when we the biggest thing is on the business side of thing, and that's you know we hear a lot about elections with our office, but really most of the labor in the office and the employees and the day to day work is actually on the business filing side, the business unit. And what we wanted to create when we campaigned four years ago was a business one-stop. So if you're going to create a, a new restaurant in Hayes that you brought up, the first thing you do is you file your LLC with our office. But then you got to go to the Department of Ag to get your restaurant permit. Mm -hmm. If you're going to have a bar and sell spirits, you got to go to revenue to get that permit. If you have employees, then you got to go to labor. And if you want help from commerce, you get to go there and type all that information in that silo. What we created was a KS ksbiz with a z dot kansas dot gov and that dot gov gives us some cybersecurity. you can go there and there's a wizard today to help you start a business sell a business make a business plan shutter a business but we found out we had couldn't get it done in four years because when we took office our whole computer system's on an as 400 that computer system was outdated in the late 80s early 90s is that like a stone tablet it's a c prompt Okay. So um, uh, monochrome screen, if you think of your very first computer when you were in grade school. So it, we are having <laughs> I had a, a big, cheap tablet, Mr. Schwab, <laughs> in grade school. I didn't. Um, but so to get onto this new system for this business one stop, we have to have a computer system that can do it. And West Virginia does it, and they use a Kansas company to do it. Hmm. We just don't do it in Kansas because our computer system won't work, and it's going to be another year to get off that. And we want to make sure we complete that campaign promise so that next year when you go to ksbiz.kansas.gov and fill out the entire wizard, you click send, and all your permits just start coming to you. I remember, I think, Jeff Collier talking about a one-stop shopping kind of arrangement. So this has been an idea that's been around. Right. Uh, and it seems like completely logical that in this day and age, you could have the technology that would allow people to do that. We do have the technology. We just didn't have it in the office because we were on it. Literally, I, I tease, but there's a degree of truth to it. When we're off this AS400 sometime next year, we'll probably have to donate it to the Kansas Historical Society. There's probably a museum <laughs> somewhere that'll take it. You, you do have a primary opponent, Mike Brown, mm -hmm. right? He's a former Johnson County uh, commissioner. All right. So um, this year, the legislature approved some. Uh, they worked on election reform. I think some of those people just wanted to tighten things up, but other people were quite concerned 
about uh, the legitimacy of elections and apparently cheating. I've never really given much put much stock in the the cheating thing, but let's let's go through this bill that the governor signed and that you called the most significant election reform measure since voter ID in 2011. I'm just trying. There's there's seven or eight elements to it, and we can talk about any ones you want to. But one of them was about removing registered voters yeah. if they didn't participate in elections for a while. Do you want to explain? Yeah. That? So, and we we were careful early on in the session to reach out to Democrat leadership because we knew they were the ones that were going to be concerned when they hear about removing voters from the voter rolls. But even Marcy Francisco understood why this was a good thing because she works as a poll worker and she sees names of registered voters at KU dormitories that were there when she was in college. <laughs> it, but there's only, there's only four ways before this law to remove somebody from the voter rolls. They remove it themselves. We get a notice from the U.S. Post Office system that they've changed their address. Hmm. We can remove them if they... Um, Social Security lets us know they died or if they were a convicted felon. Well, this is number five now, and after a 2018 uh, Supreme Court ruling, you can remove an inactive voter. So we were real careful to define an election activity. It's not just voting. It could be signing a petition for a candidate to file. It could be applying for an advanced mail ballot, but you never turned it in. Hey, we just want to make sure you actually live at the address you're registered to vote. Mm -hmm. If you haven't done that for four years, it triggers a notice from the county to that voter's address and that person's name. And if it comes back, not at this address, that can be removed in four years after that. So right. if the post office says they've moved, we can remove it because that's one of the four. But if we haven't heard anything, that triggers a four-year clock. So now we're hitting two presidential cycles because we know some people only vote in presidential years, and they can skip one if they want to. But if they've gone eight years and haven't done anything with elections, we're going to go ahead, and that county's going to take that name off their voter rolls because we just want accurate data. And it's really getting expensive for these counties because they're sending 32 notices to one apartment. Well, there's not 32 people in there, but we didn't have a mechanism to clean that up. Right. Interesting. And that's why the governor was supportive of it. Yeah, there's people that get a little antsy about it because there's a process that, that people can challenge your registration. And I just think there's been some nefarious stuff going on. The counties, uh, another element of this, the counties must use paper with a watermark? Yeah, this was, this was not Sounds our like provision. Sounds like a little high-tone paper there to me. <laughs> I don't know. Paper's paper. So, yeah, so... I explain this to folks a lot. You can't print a ballot on your computer because there's normally either a barcode, an alphanumeric court or code, or some counties use a watermark. The legislature decided all counties should use a watermark. I kind of lean more towards letting counties do what their resources allow them to do mm -hmm. um, because if a barcode is within their resources, it's still secure. I mean, you're not going to know that barcode on your computer to print off that ballot. And so, and even if you could, it wouldn't be counted because it's not in a security envelope. Watermark but, paper is going to cost more money. It is, it is going to cost more money, but we get to define what the watermark is. So that way we can try to control the cost for the county. So we are going to be working with the county clerks. we got a few years before it's implemented to make sure we can keep that cost reasonable for the counties. Because it's, it's not as big of a concern for counties like Douglas or Johnson or Wyandotte. They have more resources. It's a concern for like Cheyenne, for Sherman, yeah. for Seward <laughs> County. That's Completely where it gets agree. to be a little bit more... Of a, of, a, of a heavy lift, and we want to do all we can to help our clerks. Certain counties have election clerks, and then 
Uh, some, many counties have county there clerks are, who do a whole range of Correct. Things. There are only four election clerks in Kansas. There are 101 county clerks. So they're not only dealing with elections, they're dealing with the books and the, the county business. And they're incredibly bus- busy. And we were mm-hmm. down in um, Independence yesterday visiting with Charlotte. She's a sweet clerk down there, but she works hard. You know, she has five employees, and she's having to do a lot. So that's why we're real careful about when we create election laws to make sure things are secure. We're not overburdening these clerks because they don't all have the resources like Tammy, Jamie Shue has in, in your in county. Douglas County, yeah. Yeah, sometimes I think the uh, members of the Kansas legislature bristle when the federal government tells Kansas what to do, uh, but then Kansas legislators turn around and don't have too much heartburn about telling counties it, and cities and counties what to do. This is when a lot of folks ask me, say, well, shouldn't Topeka just take over the election? I said, well, that's just what Washington, D.C. wants to do to the states. Mm-hmm. You would be advocating <laughs> H.R. 1 on a state level, and I'm absolutely opposed to that. There's another element of this particular bill that uh, chain of custody of uh, balance. Yeah, they want it consistent across the counties. Each county sets up their own chain of custody provisions. They just want it consistent. Well, our county does it this way. How come you guys are doing it this way? So if I go to the county courthouse and pick up a box of 500 ballots, they want kind of a chain of custody of me picking up that box and going to the voting place? Yeah, so it's not just you, but it's it's got to be a sworn trained poll worker or a poll judge. And then we also, they has to be at least two people from two different political parties. And normally it's two locks with two keys. So that way it takes, there's accountability. It isn't just one person that you don't know who, who touched those ballots. There's always two people on them. But that's the way it's done. But now some people say, hey, once it's in the building, one person can handle it. You know, we want them to say, hey, so it's just going to be consistent. It's not necessarily a dragnet fear that I'm driving down a dirt road and I get out and I fill out 150 ballots and put them back in the right. box and that kind right. of thing. Well, so it's just making sure that there's not just one set of eyes on the ballot. Okay. And most counties mm-hmm. do this anyway. And again, this wasn't a provision we introduced. This was introduced by one of the legislators. But again, it is a layer of security that helps. And it just if it's not expensive, it's not burdensome, but it does make folks fail at home say, okay, well, this is the way it's set by the state and well, have more confidence in the somebody, election. somebody, I guess there's a name now attached and you can Correct. go ask yeah. questions. Counties, uh, henceforth, cannot use election equipment capable of being connected to the Internet, which I thought was a general practice. It it is. And so according to the Election Assistant Commission, touchscreen voting voting equipment cannot be connected to cell towers or, or Internet. That's why if you vote by machine, you know, you give your ID, they give you a card and they put the card in the machine because that vote poll book, electric poll book, cannot talk to the voting machine. But the EAC allows tabulators to be connected to the Internet or a cell tower. And here's why it's normally encrypted. After Bush v. Gore, Florida got complaints that the media wasn't getting updates fast enough. So they wanted their tabulators to connect to the Secretary of State's office so they could publish results faster. I'm against that. I think no offense to you, but I think you can wait. I want to make sure it's secure and nobody's worried about a, a tabulator being connected to the network. So let's just put it in statute and, and say you can't do that. Now, that being said, every county in Kansas, whether it's they hand you a ballot or whether it comes off a machine, has a paper ballot. Mm-hmm. And it is the paper ballot <laughs> that gets counted. And that's what gets audited, too. That's one thing I want to make sure we emphasize when folks do question the integrity of Kansas elections. We've done over 300 post-election Post-election audits, I sometimes get those words inverse through me. Post-election audits, we've done over 300, and not one county has failed. And real quick, like what that is, is after election night, 
clerks up till four o'clock in the morning tabulating the results. The next day, our office is picking a random race in each county. They're packing a random precinct, and they get two people, three people from the community of two different parties, and they sit down, they pull out a ballot. See, do we all agree what this ballot says? Yes, there's one. Pull out another ballot. Do we agree what it says? Yes, that's two. And they go through the entire precinct that way. If that doesn't match exactly with what the tabulator said, mm -hmm. then they got to do another one. If that one doesn't work, they got to do the whole county that way. That has never happened. We've had yeah. two or three counties where the audit was off and the election night tabulation was actually right, and they had to audit the audit. When you say tabulator, that's just a, it's a counter that counts the votes. It's a counter. <clears throat> They are uh, right, so and that's it's counting the, the paper. <clears throat> Post-election tabulated tabulation tests. There's also audits of close races and yeah. procedurals. Yeah, so this is uh, the concern. We're especially coming out of Johnson County in last year's local elections. There are a lot of close races, and so folks, when it's a close race, that's where people accuse something nefarious is going on. When it's a shellacking, they don't normally. Mm -hmm. And so, but the candidate in the school board race, they can't afford to pay for a recount. So this is kind of a soft recount. If it's less than 1%, they're going to do the same audit I just explained, but instead of one precinct, 10% of the precincts in that district. And if it's the result is the result, now at least if it's not, if it doesn't match up with what they said the vote count was, at least they have something to contest their election with before the court. Yeah, school board, those, those jobs pay nothing. Nothing. <laughs> yeah, so nothing. They're a hard job, and they get absolutely zero compensation. Yeah. So um, let's, it'd be good to stop here and just let's, let's address the issue of election security in Kansas. I think you've said many times that you feel the elections in the state are safe and secure. Yeah. So we, now the reason why we introduce these bills, though, is because it's like cybersecurity. I believe our computer systems are safe in our office. But that doesn't mean I just can walk away and move on to the next thing. We constantly have to monitor, and we work with Homeland Security and the, um, the Kansas um, National Guard to make sure our systems are secure. But it goes beyond that. It is just making sure that people have confidence in the election. And a lot of folks, I mean, folks from out of state have come in and insulted the Kansas election system, and they haven't read our laws. They've never been here on election day. They've never watched the tabulation process. <laughs> They've never been a poll worker. And when you do 300 post-election audits and not one failure, Show me what's wrong. And I have folks, I had a guy in Wichita that had a stack of paper, slamming it with his finger. I got in this stack of paper the formula that proves Kansas has fraudulent elections. I said, thank you. I needed evidence to go to Derek Schmidt with. Show it to me. He goes, well, I don't have it right here. Yeah. So, it's so I think some it's people like, just don't like the outcome of the elections, and so they just dig, 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 and try to find a couple of numbers that if you wave a wand uh, offers quote-unquote proof I think it's a little ridiculous. Well, because why would you use, for example, they, the Judicial Watch put out a letter basically inferring that over 100% of registered voters in Johnson County voted, but they're using 2010 census data. Johnson huh. County's grown a little bit since then. Why not just use a voter registration list? And two, folks have a tendency to take what happened in another state, therefore it must be happening here which isn't fair. It's not necessarily true. And then the other thing is, I want to go back to like Stacey Abrams in Georgia. She claimed voter suppression. She couldn't admit she lost her election. Mm -hmm. And it's the same thing. Well, where is it? Well, you know it's happening. You know, that's just supposition. You can't prosecute unless you have a person you're going to prosecute. And yeah, I guess the president of the United States, former President Donald Trump, he had theories about election fraud because he didn't like the fact that he lost. So... So maybe this is just human nature in a sense, but that people are carrying it too far. Right. And any legislator that thinks there was fraud in either the 2020 election or 2022, if your name was on the ballot, you can contest your own election. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
All right, Governor Kelly vetoed a bill, I think a House Bill 2252, if I remember the number correctly. And it had, she objected to it because uh, the idea was that the legislature didn't want the governor, the secretary of state, yourself, or the attorney general entering into agreements to enforce elections law. So they put the kibosh on that. Governor Kelly thought it was a, a separation of powers overreach. Can you explain what's going on? So, I, yeah, and I actually agree with the bill, even though we didn't introduce it. During COVID, and a lot of the measures Governor Kelly took were didn't go through a typical due process. And so the legislature created this big battle in 2020 and in 2021 about what the authority is as it relates to emergency orders and things like that of the governor. So it was just a head-toe review of all of these administrative authority that authorities or authority powers that administrators like myself have. Mm -hmm. And one was consent decrees where you can sign these agreements with folks. And they didn't want her to create an agreement or our office to create an agreement without legislative oversight, just like they did with the Emergency Powers Act. I'm actually okay with that. I don't mind legislative oversight. Um, but she didn't want to answer to the legislature. I don't mind answering to the legislature on the stuff, but I mean, it, it wasn't a bill we introduced. Keep in mind, the current governor is a Democrat. The majority of legislature is Republican, and so that ha that explains part of what's it going does, on. It does, but I can tell you what. During our previous administration, Chris Kobach was doing some things that the legislature didn't agree with, and they were both Republican, Republican Chris Kobach and Republican-led legislature. Mm -hmm. So it can be. It's, it's not like the Republican sure. Party has no. never had a civil war at all. Right-o. Right-o. I recall a Kansas law that allowed folks to vote anywhere within their home county uh, at a polling station within our county. Is, is, what is going on with that? So Wichita introduced a bill, I think it was in 2019, and it passed. It's, it was basically became known as the Vote Center Bills. It's almost like early advanced voting because you can go to any of these centers and vote. Mm -hmm. And it works great for early advanced voting because if you have a network outage, you can just say, hey, come back and vote tomorrow. But if you do it on election day, you can't say come back and mm -hmm. vote tomorrow. Mm -hmm. So you have to have a plan B if you have a network outage, if you're going to do vote centers. Wichita never submitted a plan. So in 20, was it 2021, um, I called chair, one of the commissioners in Wichita and said, the rules and regs, we still have to do the public hearing. But if you submit your plan, you're good to go this year. Hmm. He goes, I'm on it. And he called the county election clerk that was, was there back then, and she never wrote the plan, which is unfortunate because she was on the committee we formed to write the rules and regs. She was, had the voice in the room so she can write the rules and regs in a way that she can implement in 2021, and she never submitted the plan. Mm. And it should have been submitted while the rules and regs were being written because they weren't going to change much. But they never did, and to this day, Wichita still has not submitted a plan. Well, they don't want to do it. It's on them, it. but you know anybody who says we're holding it up. I mean, we wrote the rules and regs. It's just it's a county issue. We don't implement it. It's the county. I they just got to see something on social media recently in which somebody said that darn Scott Schwab. I know. You know, dog on him. I'm I'm such I'm such a mean person. <laughs> yeah. All right. So we've talked about some of the legislation that was approved, became law. 
a legislation that the governor vetoed. The legislature could maybe come back to that. What about changes in Kansas election law that you might like to see in 2023 and beyond? We're, we're kind of catching our breath after this legislative session. But, you know, our attorney in our office has been going through old statutes that just language needs to be updated. We have some statutes that are close to 100 years old that just need to be updated. We have statutes where they wrote a law 80 years before the previous law, and they don't line up well. Hmm. So we really want to do a lot of technical cleanup so that way it pre just prevents nefarious lawsuits later, again, because again, I'm the one who always gets sued, where this way, we, hey, we get passed a law to make sure it's interpreted one way, whether it's at the beginning of the section or if it's at the back of the section of the election statutes. Yeah, I've always thought it'd be amusing. The, the, the statute books are massive. That it would be funny to do a story about the quirky laws that are still on the books that, you know, like... Uh, uh, can't drive a four-horse wagon team through downtown on Sunday morning. You know, yeah. I just, I just think there must be weird stuff like that out there that I, I'm not going to read those statute books to find. It's funny because then Representative Chairman Burgess did. Mike Burgess, uh -huh. he had to go through because remember Sam Brownback had the office of the repealer. Yep. So they were going through, and some of them were really like they had right. a regulation on jail maidens. These women who would go and give <laughs> meals and water to people in jail. And it's like, we don't do it that way anymore. You're right. <laughs> Governor Brownback did have an office as a repealer, and part of that task was to go back and find things that were antiquated or just ridiculously outdated. It was very entertaining. Yeah, that was good. I love that. Any other, I mean, specifically, is there anything that, that maybe other states have done that Kansas could model? Actually, it's kind of the opposite. People are calling Kansas to, so they can do what we've done. So part of the problem with Georgia. We're cutting edge. We are. We, and we were cutting edge 11 years ago because we had, we, so for example, Georgia didn't have voter ID for advanced mail ballots. We do. So for example, and this is where people are worried about fraud. Think about it. I can't print a ballot, as we discussed, off my computer. But if I could, where do I get the security envelope? I broke into the clerk's office and stole them? Okay, let's say I'm that good. Mm -hmm. It still doesn't count because it doesn't have a name on it. Oh, you put a name on it. Well, it's not a registered voter. Oh, it's a registered voter, but they didn't ask for that ballot. Still didn't count. Oh, still didn't count. Signature didn't match. Oh, mm -hmm. now you can, you print, you steal, you forge a bunch of signatures, still does not count. You want to know why? You didn't know their driver's license number. Mm -hmm. I don't even know my driver's license number. I just know it starts with a K. So that, those layers of security provisions is what prevents people from stuffing ballot boxes. And George is now calling us, Brad's like, how did you do this? And that's why they got voter ID for advanced mail ballots. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, th I think obviously on election night, there's glitches. And it, it really has to do in Kansas with not getting the votes counted quickly. I think, uh, and, yeah. and but, but makes mistakes me, but, but I think about the cheating. I just, I just don't think that's a problem. Right, and some people think an administrative error is a cheat. That's not true. So I really have a lot of respect for Andy here in Shawnee County because he does a really good job. He stopped the tabulation on election night in last year. Was it last year or the year before? It was in 2020. He stopped it because one of the sticks from the machine was missing. 
shut down county. That's why Shawnee just came to a screeching halt. He had to get the poll workers out of bed that had that facility, mm-hmm. go to the facility, and get the stick. The good news is the that stick, stick is a what? It, the stick, a memory stick? Think of a USB memory stick yeah, type okay. thing, but it's proprietary, and it's in the back of the machine. That's what they use to tabulate just to report results quickly so you have an idea what yeah. happens election night. But it was missing. So we have equipment that is missing. Mm-hmm. He has a security tape over it, so if it's been messed with, you know. It, was, it, it had a backup machine that they could pull out in case the machine's broken. Mm-hmm. There was no votes on it, and the security tape was still there. Once it was back at the clerk's office, they resumed tabulation. Okay, that, okay my vote, your vote in Shawnee County should still count. You shouldn't throw out the election because you're looking for a stick. Right. No, and I think delays are fine, you know. Uh, we as had, long as you get it right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I think people will tolerate that for sure. So on the August primary ballot, August 2nd, <clears throat> there's going to be a constitutional amendment. We'll just touch upon some of these. <clears throat> it, it basically is about the constitutional right to abortion, whether or not it's in the Bill of Rights. Um, you, can you just explain a little bit about what that, yes. that vote is about? So there was a lawsuit in the, in the Kansas Supreme Court that basically said it, there is an inherent right to an abortion in Kansas. And because of that, all the regulations that had been voted through the years are falling off the, the books. So basically— Well, they could. They, they could. could. They well, and some of them are. Well, as these lawsuits continue to work their way through mm-hmm. the court, because everyone's being challenged now. And could get to the point where really, your um, your whoever does a pedicure is more regulated than an abortion doctor, which is terrifying, and and it just depends on how the pro-abortionists how far they want to take it, but. According to the opinion, the legislature has no right to write a law regulating abortion. This just undoes that so the legislature can go back to regulating it like it does anything else in health care. Um, now, the significance about this, we can only have two constitutional amendments in one election, okay. according to okay. law. So they put it in the primary. But if you're an independent voter, you can still vote for this. Right, that's an important point. It, it really actually is. a mistake I made in a story. I had to fix it right away. But I actually suggested that independent uh, registered voters couldn't vote in, in, on a constitutional yeah. amendment like that. That was incorrect. And so everybody can vote on it, even if you're not participating in the Democratic primary voting or the Republican primary voting, you can go in and you can vote on this specific amendment. Absolutely. Just like everybody else. And there's a lot of counties that have county commission races that are nonpartisan as well. So the technical term is unaffiliated voter. There you go. So you can either affiliate with a party on election day if you're already registered to vote, or you can just vote on those nonpartisan races and constitutional amendments. Yeah. These amendments go on the ballot when the legislature... Uh, two-thirds of the House and two-thirds of the Senate affirms that this should be a constitutional amendment proposed to voters on the ballot. And and so that's a two-thirds majority. Governors have no say in that. But on Election Day, it's a simple majority of the Kansas Correct. voters that participate Correct. will decide whether this abortion issue. Whether it should be amended to the Constitution mm-hmm. or not. Correct. So in November, in the this year's general election, we're going to have a couple of amendments also. Uh, typically, we don't have this many, but three in one year is interesting. One of them is about sheriffs and being elected. Yeah, so the, the, the Sheriff's Association wants to make sure the county sheriff is still elected. Um, and I actually, I, I see why they want to do that, because you don't want a situation where they hire a sheriff and then he's beholden to the county manager and beholden to the county commission. What if one of those commissioners are creating a crime? That sheriff has to investigate it, their own boss. Having them independent just allows them the, the freedom to investigate independently. 
Um, and so the, actually, former Johnson County Sheriff Frank Denning was a real big advocate for this because a lot of counties were thinking, hey, we can control this office if we just make it non-elected. Like they did in Johnson County when they renewed their charter 20, 30 years ago. They said the county treasurer is no longer elected. It mm-hmm. is hired by the county. Mm-hmm. And that is what the sheriffs do not want to have happen. And so there's one county that has a unified uh, law enforcement in Riley County with the the Manhattan Police Department and the Riley County Sheriff's Department are merged into one law enforcement entity, and they'll be able to retain that. Yeah, uh, from what I understand. That formation, unless they voluntarily walk away from that, and then they would be subject to this uh, amendment if it's, in fact, passed. there's another amendment on the November ballot. Um, it's about governors and agency rules. Yeah. It's this, kind of in the weeds, I right? actually, it is, but as a former legislator, I like this one. They did it I, the way I suggested it. I thought they should just be allowed one of the chambers to write a resolution, sort of like we do on an ERO, if this legislature wants to veto a governor's ERO, but which is an a, a, a executive reorganization order. Mm-hmm. And so, but... When, when the governor makes a rule in reg, the only way to change it is through law, which she can veto. Hmm. So it, you're, that governor has a lot of power because there is a lot of policy in rule of reg authority. Mm-hmm. And as a legislator, I would just, because I served under Kathleen Sebelius for six years and then Mark Parkinson for two, and it was really frustrating, some of these rules and regs. It's like, this is a policy discussion for the legislature, and they're, they're writing them. And the Democrats said the same thing about Your concern would have been, okay, the legislature passed a law. The, it's it, it passed a bill. The governor signed it into law, and but the administrative structure is writing rules and regs that aren't quite exactly what the legislature's intent might have been. Correct. Yeah. And then there's nothing the legislature can do except for pass a law. But the person that's writing the reg is the one who's going to veto it. And now, if this bill. passes, the legislature had. Have the authority to veto, veto or reg. suspend a rule, I and think, a, a rule and reg. Okay. So, and it's going it's, it's also going to hold the legislature's feet to the fire now. Hey, how come something's not getting done right? Well, you vetoed the rule and reg. Yeah, they just can't finger point at the rules and regs. Right. All right, Scott Schwab, our Secretary of State, he's running for re-election this year. Uh, hopefully, he has an exciting campaign because. Uh, you know, we, we like to see good debates and that kind of thing. So we want a boring uh, I want to thank you for being part of our <laughs> podcast and explaining some of this election law. I'm Tim Carpenter. Thanks for listening. Thank you.